Hi! You're watching Sipping Off the Cuff on Tequila Aficionado Media on all of our platforms, including Spotify and Anchor FM. Uh, Mike Morales here in San Antonio. That young man is... I'm Eric Zandona in Vancouver, Washington. Eric, um, you and I have been really singing the praises of, of the first line that, that Price Imports has brought in of Miel de Tierra. Which mm -hmm. is a, a new line of mezcal. It's new to us. I, I believe it's yeah. been around for a, a couple of years, but it's just now making the rounds. Miel de Tierra. I don't know if you can see that. It's a very colorful label, and mm -hmm. uh, not only the the first the first version that, that uh, uh, Eric and I had was the Salmiana mezcal. Yeah, it's an eighty proof mezcal. This is this is also eighty proof. Um, this is an es, uh, this is an espadín, correct? Yep. Yeah, it's a traditional uh, artisanal espadín that's cooked in a a pit oven and uh, fermented uh, with a natural fermentation and wood vats, and then copper uh, distilled. Now you'll notice on the back you'll see a honeycomb uh, uh, decal and you see the bee and what I really really like about uh, when I read the, the point of sale material the cell sheet as they call it or POS I like to call it but I, I like that a portion of their proceeds go to uh, uh, helping preserve the, the bee population in, in Mexico yeah and, and probably all over Latin America I mean I don't know how far you know bees travel so yes. um so I thought that was that was very cool because uh, you know bees and bats are are two of the top pollinators of all agave, right? So, you know, including and and even sotol and things like that. So mm -hmm. um, we have this little uh, emblem here about the the bee program that they run. Yeah, uh, did they call it a specific name? The the bee program. Uh, something like conservation. Uh, save the bees. Hot. Well, there you yeah. go. Save yeah. the bees. Yeah, uh, conservation of wild honeybees. Uh, so that is very cool. So I'm. Uh, we were very excited with the salmiana. I I I was. That was my first salmiana uh, at 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 a forty proof. At, you know, yeah. at forty ABV. Um, but tonight we're going to try the Espadine. It's this is by the same ma the, the same hand of the maker as well, um, which I I think I mangled his name the first time. But um... uh, no, so the the Samiana is uh, is from San Luis Potosí, right. whereas this Espadine is from Oaxaca, and it's uh, this is produced by uh, oh, Don Hector Mateo, right? Don Hector Mateo. Yes. Uh, but it still uses the, the, the rustic copper alembic, uh, yeah. wild yeast, uh, local pine vats for fermentation, mm -hmm. uh, uh, a conical oven. So this is very much uh, a, a, a traditional um, artisanal. For, you know, there. Yeah. I have to be careful now because mezcal does have the designations traditional, artisanal, and ancestral. Right. Uh, that they can use, and and I love that about about the all the lines um, mm -hmm. so this is this is uh, considered artisanal correct yes okay. yeah yeah all right well i'm going to be using my my stasol jarrito i promise yeah. eric i will get you these jarritos they're coming <laughs> shortly okay i look forward to it yeah i really do want to um do a segment with you about you know what 
you know, your thoughts on, on the Jarrito. It's right now one of the hottest um, glassware uh, items for exclusively for agave spirits, and it's manufactured. A lot of people don't know this. It is manufactured by Stossel, which is the same manufacturer for Glencairn. Mm. Um, so this, these are these are kind of stable mates, you might say. Yeah, yeah. I love the legs and tears on this thing. The yeah. the the the, the Samiana had had um, sheeting legs, mm -hmm. which is what I really enjoyed about it. It was it's very eye appealing. Yeah. No, it's got a great, great look going on here. And it smells fantastic. Oh my! Yes. It now this 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 does smell like a, like an espadine that that you and I have had from the from the same area. Yeah. Either at higher or lower ABVs, the the, the yeah. aromas are yeah. very consistent. Yeah. Sweet and fruity on the nose, almost floral sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I would say definitely uh, a little bit brighter than uh, the Samiana, more floral. More, there's some uh, more smoke in the nose. Yes, yes, right, right now. Uh, I'm getting it in the center of this glass here. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that Salmiana. Uh, when you were discussing it, that it was it was it was beefy, it was meaty, you know, yeah. and and I I for some reason blanked out and and didn't put two and two together that it's the same plant that pulque is made with, and and so it would it would make sense that the the aromas and the flavors would be heavier and thicker and meatier mm. uh, in an older plant. I mean, yeah. Salmiana takes a long time for it to become mature, so. Right, so the Salmiana they 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 harvest around ten years, and whereas the these espadines they they say they're harvesting between six and eight years. Mm -hmm. So, which is still, uh, you know, looking at what they're doing in the tequila industry right now, you're you're harvesting plants as young as four years old if they yep. meet a certain bricks category you know a certain bricks degree so bricks being the the amount of sugar the, sugar content. the yeah. sugar content uh so they're going some of them are going as young as four years old and four five and six mm -hmm. so it's nice that they're they're letting these plants mature even more yeah let's dive in let's see let's see if the uh the flavor is the same <laughs> That's really nice. Wow. This is this has a classic Espadine character to it. So it's got this real sort of bright um, top note that's sort of reminiscent of, I don't know, it's like a, a sort of herbaceous lime. It's not quite lime, but it's not, and it's not as, it's not in the same sort of green character that you get out of, of a Hoven tequila. Um, but it's got this this character to it that's very, very, uh, I would say, reminiscent of lots of other uh, Espadines. Real classic. You know, it, it's surprising to me that that all the characteristics 
that you would get in a in a higher ABV espadín that you I'm sure you and I have had you know several yeah. that that maybe not the same brand or same maker but mm. you know like you said it's a it's a classic espadín flavor profile yeah and I, I love that we're not we're not missing anything by no. going at a, at an eighty proof yeah it's, nothing is lo- there's nothing lost in translation in other words right yeah I think. That is uh, it's a good sign, I think, of the producer of the mescalero who's making it that that they're uh, they're making their cuts on the still in such a way that they're getting all the flavor that they need. The intensity of the flavor stays through even at a lower ABV because the result, I think, is there's no burn from the alcohol. There's no. no there's no uh, hints of uh, like the some of the harsher like acetone character that you can get and like some really rustic um, uh, mezcals. Mm-hmm. So this is this is I think a really great introduction to what what is espadine uh, mezcal from Oaxaca taste like. You know, this is a great starting point. Yeah, I think it's a it's a really good illustrator uh, for people yeah. who. Who again? You know the the mezcal industry, uh, uh, agave spirits in general. People are beginning to branch out away from the cookie cutter tequilas that they that they've had for a long time. They want to know what the what the buzz is all about. This mm-hmm. is a great intro, probably yeah. more so than the some of the original um, some of the original ones that, that that came out on the market first. You know, mm-hmm. there was a couple. I won't name them because they're general. Right now, they're. They probably were all funded, you know, and they're probably more of the, they're more of the of the names people would remember when it comes to, to mezcal. So, um, I think this is a much better um, intro for mm-hmm. for the average consumer to to be able to dissect and pull stuff out. Yeah. Um, you know, as you said, some some mezcals, some espadines, sometimes at a higher ABV. People aren't ready for the the aggressiveness yeah. of, of either the hand of the maker or the process itself because um, this tones it down a little bit. I guess I, I don't want to say dumb down, but it does tone it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. yeah, there's nothing lost in this. You still get the smoke uh, on the nose more so than we did on the Salmiana. Yeah. Uh, and and but it's just it's good structure on the mouth too because it mm-hmm. it's it just. Again, there's nothing lost in the translation in the nose and the intake are 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 well balanced again. Yeah. I would say this would definitely be a brand of promise nominee for me. Mm-hmm. I think uh it's an excellent uh expression of espadine um at a a very approachable ABV that uh oh, yeah. that anybody could can really enjoy. I, I um, you know, there have been, there have been other brands since the initial ones that came on the market um, that are are more traditional. Well, one of them I mentioned, I, I think to to Eric, either on camera or off camera, it was Scorpion Mescal was great because mm-hmm. there almost their entire lines at at forty ABV, yeah. but but that style is different than this one, and uh, and the Scorpion just just hits. I mean, there's not a weak link in in, in their line, so uh, I'm thinking that this is this is just 
right up there. Yeah, it, yeah. You know, if you if you're a fan of Scorpion Mescal and and everything that they stood for and stand for, um, Douglas French, then then this is certainly the the the, the next step I think in your you know. Do you think, Eric, that eventually it'll get to a point where the market will see 80 proof mezcals of all different plants and people won't actually have to merge to a higher ABV? Do you think that they'll be on the market, they'll actually be, uh, you know, a 80% Tepestate or, or Couché? You know what I mean? Do you, do you yeah, see yeah. that happening? Um, I haven't seen it happening yet, but. I mean, to me, it's a sort of, it would be a natural progression as the sort of mezcal category uh, uh, matures in that, like, not everyone is going to be ready to dive in the deep end at, you know, 53% ABV Tobola, you know, or what, you know, it's just going to, and if that's all you're pushing, then it's going to turn some people off. I think as the category grows, there's going to be a natural sort of progression, just in the same way like you look at whiskey or rum or right, right? Not everything is cast strength, right? It's, you know, you have stuff that is at 40 and you go all the way up and you have some of these crazy releases from Buffalo Trace at like 65% alcohol and just like, you know, burn your lips off. Yeah, it's like, it, it's, it's not, I remember my first taste of wild turkey. Holy cow, man. Yeah. So, you know, I think, you know, there's a place for everything, right? As, um, as the, you know, the, the people who are really passionate about mezcal right now, uh, really love these really intense flavors that you get out of it. Right. Um, but I think as the market grows, you're going to see, more of these spirits like Miel de Tierra, where they're looking to introduce people to the category, and then they can always branch out and try higher proof stuff. And, you know, and the other thing that I think is going to be interesting is to see uh, right now there's a big emphasis on single agave mezcals. Right, right, right. And the tradition for most of Mezcal's history were what people called ensembles or... Or, or medleys. Or medleys, yeah. And uh, and so I think there will also be a beginning to return sort of back to that in some ways that these... There'll be some producers that will focus on an ensemble as their core expression mm-hmm. um, in the same way others will choose to, to continue to focus on single varieties. So... You know, it, I think it's all a matter of time as the, the category sort of grows and matures. Well, as long as it's still, you know, as long as, as the growing part of it, uh, of the plants are, are, are in a sustainable manner. Yeah. Uh, because that's important. You know, that's a, that's a big, that's, that's a big uh, uh, point of contention, you know, and, and, and um, I, I see a lot of uh, some of these, some of the uh, makers, uh, you know, like like Douglas French, who are who are planting, you know, pl- yeah. uh, plants from seeds that he's, that he's harvesting for the next yeah. generation, I, I, and and we see more and more of that now, and we really do need to see that because otherwise, as, as you said, yeah, there's room in the category to grow on the shelf, but mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be enough plants to go around, because right. isn't it true? I, I read this and, and I and I agree I, I believe it that ensembles or or medleys were actually 
originally done that way because there just wasn't enough plants to go around, you know, on, on this property. So you had, right. you had a mixture. It's, it's, a, it's a blend of plants. You got, you got one from here, one from there, one from there, and you, you pit roast them and you put them together and you distill it and you come up with something really unusual. But that right. was done out of necessity as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you think about like the, just the plants themselves, espadines and some other varieties are fairly large plants and they grow really well and they propagate really well. They can grow through these little shoots that, or they can grow through seed and they have a variety of ways you can clone them. Um, but then there are other varieties like Tobolots, this tiny little thing that only grows through seed. They, they don't send out little shoots and they don't clone. And so, you know, to think like, in order to make a single bottle of Tobolot, you have to use this huge amount of plants. Right. Whereas in a sort of traditional production, right, well, mostly what's out in the field are espadines and some other varieties, and maybe you found a Tobolot, so you added some of that in and as a flavoring and, you know, to change the character of the flavor a little bit. But that's what you did. You, you harvested what was ready and what was out in the field. Um, you know, now people are... Are planting more, which is great because we need more plants. Yes, there's more brands doing have it running their own nurseries, uh, like Douglas French. Um, you know, there are a bunch of companies now that have nursery programs that are growing from seed, uh, which is really important. So um, I think that's that's encouraging. But as long as those things keep going, as long as the plants continue to be taken care of, then we can enjoy mezcal for a lot longer. Well, um, that being said, Miel de Tierra is certainly a, a, a brand of promise nominee for us. Mm -hmm. This is the Espadine at 80 proof, ladies and gentlemen. Beautiful rendition, uh, as, as Eric put it succinctly. This is a, a, a great expression of, of what a, an Espadine mezcal should be. And, and um, uh, you can't go wrong. Um, yeah. I'm sure it's available in, in California, hopefully a much wider uh, locations, but that yeah. is our uh, analysis of miel de tierra, which means, uh, you know, uh, sweetness, sweetness of the, of, of, the, of the earth or honey of the earth. You know, it's, yeah. it's kind of a, a, take on, a take on words, but um, that's our take. I'm Mike Morales here in San Antonio. That gentleman out there is? I'm Eric Zandona in Vancouver, Washington. You have been watching and listening to Sipping Off the Cuff on all of our platforms. Please subscribe wherever you're watching or listening to us. Uh, but whatever you do, tomar sabiamente. Sip wisely.